Hi there, my name is Jonathan. I'm the host here at The Venue RX, and our mission is to document and share the best practices for building, owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Our company, Common Sense Events, is a venue management company that consults, manages, and operates venues all over the US. I'm here to share the mindset and methods that have worked for us in the past and are working for us now as we continue to build our venue management company. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider subscribing and sharing this, and let's get to the show. What's up everyone, Jonathan here with The Venue RX and on this show we're passionate about everything having to do with wedding venues. Uh, we are documenting what it takes to run a successful venue and what it takes to build, operate, manage, uh, run the world's best wedding venues. And as we talk to venue owners and we talk to venue managers and we talk to people in this space, uh, it's been really fun and really exciting to learn a lot of the different things that, um, that are really important and really key in terms of pricing, in terms of kind of the life cycle of, uh, of a venue, in terms of operations, hiring, the team you need, the financing, you know, everything that goes into it. And so uh, today we are going to be talking to someone who has incredible experience managing. Uh, she's managed two properties and we're really gonna be focusing today on, on one of those properties. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kristen Lean to the show. Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jonathan. I'm so excited. I listened to the podcast from day one, so I'm really excited to be here. You're listening to the Venue RX podcast. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you. I have to say, I had Kristen Binford on very early, and she mm -hmm. she was it was so funny. We were talking one day, and she's like, "You need to connect with this other Kristen I know." And that's yeah. <laughs> for almost exactly how she said it. And then she, you know, she put us together in a group chat and gosh, that must've been like three, four months ago, maybe even six months yep. ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. it's crazy. Like, uh, finally we were able to get you on. I hope we, we get to have you on again, but today we're going to be focusing on just yeah. talking about your experience managing venues. And I'm passionate mm -hmm. about origin stories. Like, I just love hearing like, yeah. what was the process that got you here. So what is that process? Where did you, where did you start? Were you always in hospitality or in the events industry? And what was the progression that led you from whatever you did, you know, to managing, uh, managing these venues? Yeah, absolutely. So it is definitely a little bit of a windy road and I'll try to, uh, get to it quickly, but, um, I answered a Craigslist ad. <laughs> if anybody even remembers Craigslist, I know that would be probably, is that even around no, anymore? It is. Um, it's totally okay. still around actually. <laughs> yeah. It's totally still around. Okay. Okay. So, um, and it wasn't for a wedding venue. It was actually for, um, a photo video DJ production company and, um, and a guy that, uh, David, that I'm still actually good friends with. And he had this, uh, startup company in Durham, North Carolina. And I absolutely hated my job. I was in insurance sales and he said, Hey, I need a really good salesperson. And I thought, Hey, instead of selling boring insurance, I'm going to sell weddings. Weddings sound way more fun to talk about all day than, you know, life insurance and health insurance and car insurance. So, um, yeah, my, my, well, boyfriend at the time, now husband thought I was crazy, but knew I was miserable. And he thought, yeah, weddings sound, sound like fun. So go ahead. And, uh, we, we took that business. We, we grew that really quickly and we went from, you know, 60, 70 weddings the first year to doing 300 weddings, um, within 
probably two and a half years. Uh, we had an office in Durham and in Richmond, and we were doing, you know, bridal shows. Um, that was kind of our main um, method of marketing. And with that, I got to see venues across the South, you know, from South Carolina up to DC. Um, and I met a venue owner in our area that offered me a job to be a sales manager and to start managing his venue. And that's how I got in and been doing that for about 10 years, a little over 10 years now. Um, the venue that I'm at currently, I've been at for five years and we are opening our second venue in five weeks. I love that. That's super exciting. It's super exciting and it's super crazy busy. I know you're probably, you know, things are probably constantly changing and evolving. And are there some things that really stood out to you um, that were surprising maybe as you're opening this new facility? Yes. um, The surprises have mostly had to do with that we were opening, um, well, we're working on a historic property. So um, there's always surprises during the construction phase of any venue or renovations of of any property, especially when it comes to historic properties. So we very much have to be on a timeline that is dependent upon the city. And there's just things that we just don't know that we don't know. Um, So waiting on permits, waiting on approvals for certain signage, you know, I I'm always jealous of uh, other venue owners that say, oh, I want my sign to look this way, or I want to paint this door this color, and they can just do that. You know, they can go to Home Depot and just paint the door. Um, We can't do that. So we have to wait on approvals. That can take weeks, sometimes months. Um, So we had put forth a timeline of about 12 months, and I know that probably sounds really short, but um, this was a property that we had already built out. Uh, because it was a restaurant that we ran and owned. Um, And we opened that restaurant in October of 2019, which is the worst time ever in the history of the world to open a restaurant. Oh, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah, um, it was really great. We had a celebrity chef. Um, He had been on Top Chef for um, four seasons and I believe also on Chopped. So, I mean, the restaurant took off and we had 100 plus reservations a night. and, and we were making money, which is unheard of uh, within the first you know three months of opening the doors of the restaurant. Um, but COVID yeah. uh, killed us and the owner. So our owner actually lives in California Okay. and um, myself and our general manager run the properties. Um, so we have two venues and then we have 40 rental properties uh, with tenants and uh, we have the restaurant. So uh, he just called me up and said, everybody's furloughed except for you. And we're going to figure this out. And as we know, you know, it was two weeks turned into, you know, this two year slog. Um, and so about this time last year, he did, you know, ask me and the GM, what, what would you like to do with this space? It just sat there for almost two years. Um, the restaurant space, it was beautiful inside. We had paid a very um, well-known architect to complete the indoor um, portion of the architect. We hadn't done, finished the outdoor section that was to be done in the spring um, after the restaurant opened. So uh, he said, do you want to open the restaurant back up? We said a resounding no, <laughs> um, but we said, we're really good at venues. We obviously have a very successful venue. Let's just open a sister venue. Um, it's a smaller space. We already know that there's a 
market for uh, rehearsal dinners that we can cross sell. We already know that there's a market for smaller weddings because at that time, you know, we were getting a lot of those inquiries and and we, we continue to. Um, I would say one of those surprises has also been that um, we thought at the time and maybe many venue owners did that, you know, oh, you know, COVID is going to change the the wedding industry forever and people are going to have smaller weddings and and no, that's, yeah. that's not the case. People immediately wanted to go back to having big weddings, which is great for our big venue. Um, our smaller venue is, is still going to be focused on, you know, smaller weddings, but also those like rehearsal dinner type events, um, corporate events. Uh, so yeah, so the surprises have been interesting, but for the most part, it's gone fairly smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, and our 12 month timeline is coming right up and we're going to open up and it's going to be great. That's, that's exciting. And that is such a wild story of the, the process. And like, it went from a restaurant, terrible yeah. timing, like you said, but really interesting to see like how successful it was. Even so many mm-hmm. businesses that were really successful did get shut down. I was absolutely one of those people though, who thought like, Oh yeah. my goodness, how is this going to change the industry permanently? And it was it definitely was a little bit surprising to me to see, like, I, I don't, I think there were absolutely changes in, in buying, uh, patterns and things like that. Mm-hmm. And maybe some kind of, uh, mm-hmm. buyer behavior that, that changed a little bit, but I think people, people still want to gather, people still want to get together yeah. and, uh, you know, have those, have those weddings. And I've seen a resurgence back to kind of some of our similar numbers pre COVID. So that's something that's definitely been yeah. interesting. Uh, interesting to me. I wanted to touch on something though, before we move on, you mentioned you got involved in the first ever property and you kind of, they were doing like 50, 60 events and you went and mm-hmm. that following two years, you did like 300, such a, mm-hmm. a big jump. What do you attribute that to? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, well, that company was doing photography, video DJ services. So we were going around to different properties. It was a production company. Um, that growth was really, uh, so we could do multiple weddings on the same day. So um, it is not necessarily a venue, but I mean, it, it's the same principle really applies. Um, and and that's what I've done at all three venues that I've worked at is really just making it a sales organization. You have to look at And that's something that a lot of venue owners are not well, I wouldn't even extend it. I wouldn't just pick on venue owners. <laughs> I would, I would pick on the wedding industry as a whole. I think a lot of times we're not great at remembering that this is a business and you have no business until you make a sale. No, and I have, I have a sign in my office that says, you know, nothing happens until a sale is made. And, and it's just true, right? Because, um, and we're all salespeople, even if we don't like to be or want to be, um, and that's why um, that first uh, business owner who got me into the wedding industry said, I just need a salesperson. He didn't ask me if I had any interest in weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't ask me if I knew anything about weddings. I, I, I do have, um, I have a master's degree in religious studies. Um, he didn't care about that. Um, there's some relatable information in there. Like I, I do happen to know what happens at a Jewish wedding and a Muslim wedding and do wedding. I mean, that, that could be useful sometimes, but um, he really didn't care about that. Um, he just cared about my personality and my sales skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he did a, have really great sales skills as well and, and a really great drive and, and passion for 
um, you know, the marketing side of the business. And that's how we just exploded it. And then I just applied that to each of the venues that I started as their sales director. And I will say that each of the three venues that I have worked at, and they told me when they hired me that they had never had a sales director before, that it had always just been right. The, the owner being owner and operator and that they had felt that they had hit a wall, uh, that they, they could get, they could open their doors and get the 40, 50 low hanging fruit, you know, uh, events booked, but it took, it took skill. It took, you know, something else to get those other dates filled. Um, and that's where, you know, applying that sales organization mentality really, really comes in. So I want to hone in on that for the the rest of the time that we have together, the 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes or so that we have together, because I, I think that is, I think you're totally spot on. And I know we even struggle with that, you know, in our organization, Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. manage multiple properties and at each one of those properties, you're right. There's totally, you know, 40, 50 dates, probably between 30 and 50, depending on the property, depending on the area of like really low hanging fruit and seasonality and some of those factors. Um, but now we're focusing on some of that other stuff. And I just talked with, uh, Sam Jacobson from ID action and Mm, really interesting stuff that he was talking about, talking about the shoulder dates and, and some pricing strategies and some of those different things. So what is your, what's your take on that? Like, what's the difference Mm. and what are, what are you doing practically that is setting you apart? Like if you get involved in an organization, if you're managing a venue, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. What systems are you changing or adding that the old team with maybe just one sales manager who wasn't really, you know, uh, uh, strategic, what is that? What goes into that making that successful? Yeah. Um, that is a good question with not an easy answer. Uh, and, and, and the reason is because every property is different and I love Sam's, uh, podcast as well. Um, I listen to that quite a, quite a bit. And I think that he's right. Uh, the shoulder seasons are, are critical, but I think that it's, it's how you lead with that. For example, uh, even yesterday, my team and I sat down and we looked at what we have booked for next year. Uh, we right off the bat already have our 45 weddings booked, you know, that are that low hanging fruit. So how are we going to strategize and book the rest? What are we going to charge for that? Um, we do a lot of corporate events. So we are lucky in the fact that, and every, every wedding venue I speak to, Oh, we'd love to do corporate. How can we do corporate? Yeah. Um, everyone wants to do for corporate. another day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say uh, we're about 50, 50. Um, we do about a hundred to 120 events a year and um, about 60 to 70 of those are weddings and the rest are corporate. Do you, um, real quick on that. Do you feel like um, what, I guess, what is the relationship between weddings and corporate events? Do you feel like mm-hmm. weddings feed the awareness that brings in corporate events? Or do you feel like when you talk mm-hmm. about corporate events, it kind of feeds you into getting exposure to a new market that then books weddings? Mm-hmm. What do you see the relationship mm-hmm. is? Um, I don't think there's much of a relationship there, honestly. And and, and I think that um, for the vast majority of venues, they're, they're not going to like this answer, which is you're probably, there's probably not enough marketing dollars in the world to bring 
a solid corporate flow of business to your venue unless you are in a certain location. Um, it's all about location for corporate. Um, currently, I mean, maybe that will change in the future. Maybe we'll go, you know, back to like retreat style. And I'm sure there are, I do know a few venues that have more of a retreat style venue and, and that does work well for them for corporate. There's, there's a couple of those in North Carolina that, that do work well, but if you're not a hotel or next to a hotel or within walking distance from a hotel, like we are, we're a five minute walk to a Sheraton, a Marriott and a residence in and five or six other hotels, um, it's going to be hard to get the corporate business because we are usually an offshoot event from something that's going on at a convention center or a hotel. Um, and we're in a busy downtown. We're in a capital city. You know, so location is really critical um, or amenities. You know, if you have bedrooms on site, if you are full service, if you have overnight accommodations, all of that. Um, then yeah, you, you can do, you can do corporate. If you are just a, a venue with not necessarily just because that, that doesn't sound good, but, uh, <laughs> if you're a venue, you know, and primarily a wedding venue that has a, a rental and maybe you do beverage, maybe, um, not, it's going to be very hard for corporate to come in. We are a full service venue with food, beverage, the whole thing. And that's what corporate wants. They want this to be very, very easy. They don't care about customization, uh, like a wedding would. So mm. they just care about simplicity. What's the package? What's the bottom line? Um, it's a very different sales cycle, a very different sales process. So um, yeah, it's a different animal and we could <laughs> do a whole, whole different uh, topic about that. But well, and let's, and we will have to come back to that for sure. And that was a, a, yeah. an absolute sidetrack, but I am curious about that. Cause I think that is kind of a, uh, fantasy, I think that lives in fantasy land for a lot of venue owners. It's like, we are going to pick up all of this corporate business. And it's like, well, you know, like you said, location plays into it and so many things. So let's, we'll come back to that later. Yeah. (laughs) So so then talk to me, let's go back and talk about, you know, are there things that you're changing or things you're adding when you get into a sales organization and you're trying to make that difference and get out of booking just those like 45, 50, uh, dates that are relatively low hanging fruit. Yeah. Um, well, most of the time, um, the first thing is branding. Um, that that's huge marketing and branding and, uh, really kind of putting that best foot forward with the website. Um, I think that is huge. Uh, most, I will tell you, and, and, and I guess this is a little, uh, bit of a pat on the back for ourselves, but I have couples every day tell us that our website is the best or one of the best they've seen. And it's because that they have so much, we give them a lot of information. We make it easy. We walk them step by step because they have no idea what they're doing. They have absolutely no clue um, what they're doing. And I've spent a lot of time just developing that and kind of guiding them. And so we change, we shift the mindset, right? That we're here to guide them. Um, We also sell from a place of um, abundance. I think that's something I talk with my sales team about a lot. Um, that we have these dates and and they're going to sell and we have to find the right client, um, for that. And we are the right venue for, you know, somebody out there. So it's a mindset shift. It's a branding shift. Um, it's also, yes, being willing to, um, speak with people one-on-one. I think sometimes we want to just automate everything and we can be kind of over automated, uh, I tell my salespeople that, oh, well, I'm not hearing back from this person. Well, did you pick up the phone? Like they just kind of get quiet <laughs> and look at me and, um, you know, 
a lot of times they're scared of the phone and they think other people are scared of the phone, but I'll have couples tell us all the time, you're the, you're the first person that, that called me, you know, and, and that's huge. So it's just breaking down some of those mindset barriers first of how we're putting ourselves out there. Um, and then when we're looking at the pricing model, um, you know, what's going on in your area, because I will tell you, this has majorly shifted and surprised us throughout COVID. In our area, we used to sell Fridays, at least 50 to 60% of our Fridays would be sold. We're down to like 10, 20% of Fridays being sold. Um, A lot of that has to do is that we're being flooded, our market's being flooded with new venues opening. And um, so why would the couples book a Friday when they can go get a Saturday? Um, you could say, well, they're going to fall in love with your venue and, and so forth and so on. Um, and that's true, but, um, there's a lot of other things, um, in our market. We're very close to a lot of schools, uh, a lot of colleges. So all of that is really market de- dependent. Um, you know, I, I talked to venue owners that they sell a lot of weekdays. We maybe sell one weekday, a wedding in a year. You know, so our pricing is very different. Uh, We've raised our pricing quite a bit and all the venues around us have because in order for them to be profitable, if they're only going to book 40 to 50 Saturdays a year, they've got to charge premium, you know, for that. We're also in an area where it rains a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the weather is wild. Um, You know, we're in central North Carolina, so we get a lot of... um, you know, there's a hurricane in Florida that just went through and I hope everybody's okay down there. I've reached out to a couple of any owners that I know and they're safe so far. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, because of our position, we, we get a lot of threats from the weather and, and, uh, with that, you know, we kind of have a seasonality to our pricing. So we'll look at that, but not everybody's like that. Um, so once we kind of assess that and really figure out like, what are our prime dates? What can we sell for top, top dollar? And then kind of work down from there. Um, and we just go hard on the phones. We go hard on email. We go hard on text messaging and we communicate and we come from that place of abundance and people respond really well to that. That's, that's incredible. That's so much information. And I love that because I know venue owners are going to be listening to this or people who want to open venues and they're going to like, that's a lot. They're going to be writing. They're going to be thinking about this. They're going to be rewinding. Um, I want to ask you a question about the pricing. You said, you know, you can get the top dollar. And then you said the other venues in your area, what, what does that look like? Not necessarily an exact number, but when you say top dollar, mm-hmm. uh, speaking in North Carolina, like what, what is that right yeah. now? You know, we're here in 20 late 2022. Yeah, so we're really seeing venues uh, charging anywhere from ten to fourteen thousand dollars for a Saturday for the venue for about twelve to fourteen hours of a venue rental with tables and chairs. And that's um, no catering. That's no bar. That's just the venue itself with the the base rental pieces, tables and chairs. Correct. Are you including anything else? Correct. In Nope, just tables and chairs. <laughs> Maybe okay. they'll have um like we we started this a while back a few years ago. Um we, we are in an ABC state, so we can't allow any outside alcohol to be brought in once you have permitting. So we include, you know, lunch and 
alcohol in the sweets for them, uh, like champagne, beer, wine, that kind of thing. So a lot of venues do include like a lunch for the, the wedding party suite, but that's valued at maybe like $500 or something. Um, so most venues do provide something equivalent to that, but I mean, really nothing else. I mean, linens are usually separate, um, and that's become kind of the standard, at least in the triangle, which is Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill here. But I am even starting to see some of the venues outside of our area stretching into kind of more rural places, creeping up to like the eight to $10,000 range for their Saturdays. Uh, and, and I kind of attribute that to two things. One, you know, inflation and and recovering from the losses of COVID. I mean, we did all, we were in a state that was very locked down uh, mm-hmm. for about a year so um, we were restricted, no weddings for about four months, and then restricted to 100 guests for almost a year, six months um, after that. So for about a year, we were very restricted and um, slowly kind of came out of that. I would say me and our team really said that we felt like COVID was over for us three months ago. Okay. <laughs> um, so if that kind of gives you any indication, and that's when I started seeing this huge shift up in pricing mm. is everybody saying, okay, now we have to charge this. We don't have a choice. We have to make our, up our losses because also these venues are making repairs. They're paying for staff. You know, they're, uh, our staffing charges are, are outrageous right now. Our labor costs have gone through the roof. Um, some venues, you know, don't have much in the way of labor, but everybody has, you know, some labor. Um, but we have full service, so we have a lot of labor. And a historic property needs a lot of maintenance. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I do feel like uh, everybody's kind of in that, you know, all boats rise with the tide. I see my neighbor rising, raising prices. Uh, we we kind of feel like we need to as well. So that's becoming pretty common in this market. Um, and then. Uh, as far as food and beverage goes, you know, that's, that's rising quite a bit too. So I, I see people spending, you know, at least a hundred dollars per person and up for food and beverage, wow. um, in this market. So yeah, it's, wow. it's pretty costly. You made a comment about other venues popping up and kind of that raising the competition level of sorts, mm-hmm. or it's just changed how changed the dates maybe that you used to used to book. Right. Um, right. Do you, if, if you just had to give some advice to venue owners, should they be concerned if there are other venues opening in their market and as kind of a, a context of that, what would you define as a market? Like what would you define mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as, as competition? Is this a venue that is, you know, two blocks up the road if you're in an urban area, or is this something mm-hmm. that's even 30 miles away? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, okay. So, and I, I told Kristen, I said, you asked such good questions. So um, let me think about this. Uh, okay. So the market, uh, this has changed really, right? Because if you had asked me this, hmm, five, six years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have said, if they're more than 20, 30 miles away from you, they're not in your market. If they're not, if you're a ballroom and they're a barn, they're, they're in your kind of extended market. Right. Um, but this has totally changed. And I think it's because, uh, like I always, I always say this, um, the couples, um, 
like we kind of, you know, stay the same um, in our mindset, but the couples have, they change our mindset, right? Like they, they, we get new couples every year and, and they're new, like their, their age range, um, their generation is different. And this generation of couples is very open mindset to style Mm -hmm. and to location, because I think part of that too, is the wedding industry as a whole outside of venues has grown exponentially and just what's available to them. There are now party buses and, you know, all these, um, transportation options. Uh, we have something called the Raleigh trolley, which is a whole company in itself that takes people around to different venues and are, you know, from venue to venue for, um, the wedding day and stuff. So, um, all of that kind of shortens the gap on what that market looks like. Right. Um, and the hotels are popping up more. If you're, if you're a venue that, um, maybe is more rural, but then all of a sudden a hotel goes up near you. Well, now, you know, maybe that's, you know, not as much of, of a hurdle for you. So you'll have couples that now consider you a little bit more, um, than those who would say, Oh, I'm only going to get married there because it's local and my family lives right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's changed a lot. I would say in general, like a short answer would be, I would say within an hour radius okay. is fair. Um, most couples are kind of looking in that you will find a subset of couples that are open to beyond that, you know, regions, um, when you really start talking to them though, a general area of about, you know, an hour or so radius typically makes sense, but I will say they're very open to different styles. They will look at us, which is a historic, more kind of industrial, um, space. And they'll also be looking at ballrooms and country clubs and barns and, that is a very big shift to me that's Huge. happened than 10 years ago. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Cause I, and that, that's really surprising to me too. You'd think that someone would just be really focused on, okay, I want a big Oak tree or I want a water feature. Mm-hmm. Or I want, you know, kind of something that they're looking for, but you're probably right. Like the more information now, the more choices. Now people are a little bit more mm-hmm. open-minded. That makes a lot of sense. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. Kristen, we could, we could keep going on and on and we're just planning <laughs> on having you come back on the show already. Yeah. And, um, I, I really want to unpack more of the topics. I want to talk more about pricing and kind yeah. of some of the sales stuff and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. but I want to, I want to wrap up today with a question about, about team. And, you know, if you are managing just one venue, let's say you're, you know, starting mm-hmm. a venue from scratch, what, who are you hiring first? What are your first maybe mm-hmm. two hires um, that you will like if you were going to go out right now and buy a venue? You're like, I'm going to already start searching for these two team members. Yeah. Who are you looking at? Yeah. Um, sales, number one, because again, you know, you, and that's really what I had to do opening the growth is replace myself yeah. as the salesperson. So taking on this, you know, project management role of opening another property and still kind of managing our our main property, it's okay, who's going to do the sales? You know, we can't um, lose sales at Market Hall and we can't not have sales moving forward um, at our new property. Um, That does differ. I mean, you might, you know, depending on if you have a construction loan, depending on what your financing looks like. I do 
know of some venues that have opened with no pre-sales. I think that that's a disservice to yourself, regardless of what your um, financials look like, because you will be kind of sitting there for a while before you have your first event. Um, but I do know some people that that are okay with that. Um, but I think sales is number one, because it should be a dynamic person that you're adding to your team. That's really a brand ambassador, right? Even if they're not doing tours, dusty boot tours, or, you know, construction hard hat tours, or however you want to call them. Um, they are building your brand. They are putting out the website. They're updating um, your social, you know, they're, they're doing things that you're just not going to want to be doing, or, or you, maybe you do want to do it, but you just can't be focused on um, yeah. while you're worried about permits and you're worried about um, what the, what's going on at the bank and, and, you know, all of these other things. So that's what I would do. And then again, nothing happens until a sale is made. So you're trying to create a minimum viable product just to like get out to the market um, and they're trying to see like, hey, who's going to bite at this, right? Um, we did that with the Grove. I would just take everybody who came and toured at Market Hall and say, hey, would you like to come see this property too? Maybe I thought they weren't a good fit or they even told me like, oh, I think the space is too big or do this or do that. We've got this space over here. It's not open yet, but I can give you a sneak peek. And uh, we sold 20 events without a website, without any marketing materials, like fully prepared. I just had like a sales page. Um, you know, just to get started. And then we're like, okay, this is our minimum viable product. We know people are interested in it. Hire my salesperson. She starts to run with it. And then it's operations. So that would so be your second hire, you know? So second mm -hmm. hire is operations. Your first hire focused yeah. on sales, second hire operations. Yeah. That makes sense yeah. too, because like the wedding typically won't happen until after yeah. the sales made, right? Obviously <laughs> yeah. quite a bit. So, okay, cool. Uh, and this operations person, are they running the day of the wedding or are they doing like yeah. know, admin tasks or behind the scenes stuff? Or what do you, mm -hmm. what, what do you see the role mm -hmm. of that operations mm -hmm. person do? Are they setting up tables and chairs? What, what is that role? Yeah. So we have a kind of a three pronged, um, or chart where we have sales, um, operations and then account management. And that's kind of our customer service branch. Now we do food and beverage. Uh, so we, we, you know, they're, they're kind of running our catering piece, but I really think, um, we just have to have several account managers when you do that. I think you still have to have a customer service person. We also have an admin person. So that customer service admin person might be the same thing if you're not doing, you know, full service, uh, like we are, but you got to have that person that's picking up the phone when, you know, a mom is upset or bride has a question because um, that's just, you know, keeping things mellow, keeping things stable and, and solid in your business and your brand. The operations person is your boots on the ground. You know, that's the person that is, yeah, physically setting up your tables and chairs, <laughs> unclogging toilets, um, changing light bulbs, you know, setting up prepping the venue for the day. Uh, you want to come into a clean space and maybe there was a contractor in there that left a huge mess. Um, we have that quite a bit, um, even in our space today. Uh, there's contractors there right now doing things and then we we're going to get tours tomorrow. So we have to have our operations team come in and be prepared for sales to go in and, and do tours because it's just too many hats to wear and you're going to get overwhelmed you know, with that. Because even in the early days, after you open your venue and you're like, okay, you know, we're open for business, you're never going to be done. This is, a, this is an ongoing, I mean, we're still doing things 13 years in, 
to Market Hall, I have a huge project I'm working on redoing our, our bridal suite, you know, right now. I just redid the groom suite. And it's just constant, you know, it's a constant art project. I hear people describe it as that. And it is, um, and it should be, right? Because you should always be following those trends and getting better and better and better. And that's how you stay ahead of that competition that's opening up down the street. Um, so your question about like, should you be worried about that? Um, a little bit, yeah, because um, they're going to be the new shiny object. Um, and But I don't think you should be overly worried because I think that will just put you in a place where the sales don't flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't get stuck in your head about that. Um, but continue to improve, you know, continue to get better totally. and you'll be well, okay. <laughs> well, and it's that abundance you were talking about, right? It's that, that abundance mm-hmm. mindset. And when you sell from that position, you're the, the energy is so much different and that's conveyed to the couples a hundred percent. Yeah. Chris, Kristen, Absolutely. thank you so much for coming on the show. I, yes. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward already to next time. Um, if people want to connect with you, they want to check out Market Hall. They want to check out the Grove as it opens here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Where should they be headed either for you personally or one of these venues? Yeah. Yeah. You can email me at Kristen at citymarketraleigh.com. You can follow. Uh, so City Market Raleigh is our full property. Um, but then we have um, historicmarkethall.com and the Grove at uh, the Grove at citymarket.com. Lots of markets and cities. I'll put all the links to you so you can check it out. But um, yeah, it's great. Uh, we have the three kind of businesses that we're running and we're really excited to get this new one off the ground. Very cool. Congratulations on that. Um, we'll we'll have you back on the podcast very soon. We've got a lot of other things to talk about as well and, and uh, stuff you're working on. So yeah, and everyone who's listening, watching on online on YouTube, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kristen, again, I appreciate your time and see you all in the next episode. Hey there, thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads, we're not really looking to do that, but we do wanna grow the show. And so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.